Good morning. In my home, um, we make conversations uh, a safe place for the kids, for ourselves. We have a lot of fun. And if you've been following our family on Facebook, you've seen that the political season has been a little fun for us all. Uh, Peyton especially is uh, beginning to embark in his political viewpoints. And so as father and son, we razz each other a little bit and do different things. And he called me this week and he said, Dad, he said, you know, I hate to tell you this, but like it or not, you and Hillary have something in common. And I said, son, what's that? And he said, after this week, you're both going to be doing something else. So now, I don't make that a political statement. I just want to say that in our house, we're free to say what we want to say. I teach my children that their family comes first. Brother and brother is more important than anything that we might believe politically. I teach them that in that first comes God with everyone. God's not a first, second, or third in our home. He's a given. He's a given. And if we believe that, then all the other relationships come into play. You know, I I knew this day would come, didn't think it would come so quick. As a matter of fact, as a child, I was always very passionate about the things I wanted to be. I remember my mother getting pulled over by the police. I was four years old. I was sitting in the back seat. Didn't have car seats back then. They just threw you back there and told you to be still or they was going to whip you. But I was sitting in the back seat. My mother was pulled over by the police. And I remember the policeman writing the ticket. And I just remember how cool he looked with his sidearm and his, his belt and his badge. And, and he was all just well manicured. And he, was, he looked like a big, strong man. And at the time, I didn't have a strong man in my life, my father had walked out. And I told my mom that day, I want to be a policeman. And I remember when I got a little older, I started playing baseball. And I was a catcher because I was fat and I couldn't play anywhere else. And I could stop the ball. So they put me at catcher. And then I remember I wanted to be Johnny Bench. I mean, I would have, I, I, I can't tell you how many people I threw out playing baseball in my backyard. Bench to Concepcion, right? And then when I started playing football, just a little bit older, I wanted to be the great Walter Payton sweetness baby. And I can remember high-stepping in the backyard, making sure the dog didn't tackle me. And now my oldest son is named Payton, P-A-Y-T-O-N. I always wanted to be those great things. And I remember when Jeanette first took me to church, and I saw that I loved Jesus... And I wanted to be like Jesus. I remember telling myself, man, I want to be like one of those dudes on TV. And I was watching T.D. Jakes and I was watching Creflo Dollar and Billy Graham. And I thought, man, someday, someday that's going to be me on the stage. And I'm going to preach the next great sermon. And the whole stadium is going to come to the front row. Then I started going to conferences. And I remember listening to Rick Ashley. And I remember listening to Patrick Mead. And I remember listening to Jeff Walling and I thought to myself, I can be that in the church of Christ. Here's what I didn't take into account. All that God wanted me to be was to be like Jesus. Nothing else, nothing more, and nothing less. And all He wants you to be, every person in this room, is to be like Jesus. And if you accomplish that task, if you accomplish that goal, you will, redu- you will do remarkable, remarkable things for God. 
So I had to choose what I wanted to say the last sermon that I would deliver to Heartland, at least in the capacity of your preacher. I'm sure I may... Well, after this one, I may not get invited back to preach, but I'm sure I will at some point come back and speak to you again. So I chose 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 12. We're going to work our way to the end of the chapter. And these are Paul's final thoughts in this letter to the church in Thessalonica. Now, he's talked to them about how how wonderful and strong their faith is. He's talked to them about how he sees God working in their faith to further the kingdom. And he's being encouraging to them, but he's pointing out some important things that they need to know going into the future. And sometimes those things aren't easy to hear, are they, church? You ever been admonished? Sometimes that's not easy. It's not an easy thing to go through. And more than anything, he tells them at the end to be to know that there is an end coming. That eternity matters. And I've kind of focused on this in my last two lessons. Because church, if there's anything I can leave you with, it's that eternity matters. That's why I preach every week. That's why I gave my life to this message. Because I believe that, that it, heaven is important. Amen? I believe that there is a heaven, but there is a hell. And I don't want anyone to go there and perish. So I give my heart, I give my life to doing this. And that's not going to stop. That's not going to stop. Because I don't just do it here on Sunday morning. I do it to everybody I bump into. And I hope that you take that on. And that's what Paul says to the church in Thessalonica. Here are Paul's final instructions in this morning. This is my final thoughts to you. May it bless you. May it encourage you. May it change you. Let's take a look at the first set of verses. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 12 and 13. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. Now, I'll tell you something I've learned in, in, in the, the whole time that I've been a minister in the Church of Christ. Being an elder is tough. Being an elder is tough. In fact, I've watched men cower from the responsibility of being an elder. I've seen strong spiritual men who were asked to shepherd their congregations look back and say, Lord, no. No way, no how, not in a million years. Why? Because it's tough. Why? Because it's it's spiritually exhausting. It's difficult to have that much responsibility on your heart each and every day. And yet we have five men here at Heartland that take that task very seriously. And whether it's the five men that sit in those in those seats now that call themselves elders, or the men before them. I want us to thank them, to encourage them, and to support them going into the future. My final word to you is get behind your leaders. The men who have spiritually been called to lead you. 
who have wisdom, who have courage and strength. Get behind them and support them. Encourage them. That is so important to this process. Back up one slide, please. I don't want to leave that yet. There's still a whole bunch to, to use there. We still got some food. You, you took the green beans. You know, sometimes that means that, that they have to admonish us. Sometimes that means that, that we have to be corrected or we have to be encouraged to do something different. Embrace that when it comes from wisdom. Pray about it and encourage it. Now, hold them in highest regard in love. We need to love them, and not just our elders, but our deacons. We've got new men stepping into a position where they're taking on responsibility. Don't make their jobs harder than it has to be. And this last line, this last sentence points out, it says, live in peace with each other. Do you know why that says that? Do you know what Paul meant by that? It's because when we aren't in peace, it adds to their job. Amen? An elder can't be an evangelistic elder. He can't focus on evangelism when the family is arguing and fussing and lacks unity. He can't do it. He's too busy babysitting you. Stop. We have to stop and we have to get behind the eldership and the leadership. The deacons, they're going to have some great ideas. They're going to bring forth some awesome and wonderful thoughts of things that this congregation needs. Get behind that. It may not be perfect to what you think it ought to be. And in that case, I say start praying, start serving, and get involved. But support them. And don't make their job harder by not living in peace with each other. If you're a visitor today, take that home to your church. Encourage your church to do the same because our problems here at Heartland aren't unique to Heartland. I meet with a group of, of ministers every week and they say the same thing. Church, we need to get behind these men who work hard among you to lead and to care for you. And not just elders, but particularly our shepherds. Now let's move on. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody, set, nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other. Now, the key word in this to me is encourage. You know, sometimes our encouragement can be discouraging. Sometimes the way we attempt to encourage someone can be discouraging. And sometimes our reactions are discouraging. My final thoughts to you are this. Please, 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 don't be a congregation that when it doesn't go your way, you check out. Don't stop contributing don't stop serving. Don't, don't stop loving the people around you, but do those things all the more. And instead of making sure that you stay in a depressed state, instead do so much that it lifts the church up out of the depressed state. This is the way God wants us to be with each other. 
and with everyone else around us. It's not just what happens in this room with all of us. It's what happens outside of this room with others. We should always strive to do what is good for each other, but also for everyone else. Paul reminds the church in Thessalonica to look beyond itself. Strengthen yourself, he says, but then look beyond yourself and do the same good outside the church. Heartland. Heartland loves people. That is something that this congregation is absolutely awesome about. Is going about its love for others. You know, Heartland is a congregation. The first church of Christ. Well, actually the second church of Christ. The first church of Christ gave them their basement. But the first church of Christ to open its doors, its auditorium, and its family to the population of Hispanics in the greater Kansas City area. And how has God blessed that? Well, He's taken it from a group of about seven people, and now they meet with 50 or 60 in the room next door to us, and they're baptizing and baptizing and baptizing. Because they were willing to go beyond this group and share love outside. And you were willing to support that, some of you, many of you. There were those that weren't. Please, let's strive to be a people that supports outreaches like that. We can't argue with what God does that's good, can we? Amen. And we sure need to strive to do a better task of that ourselves. To get out to our neighbors and the people around us. We're not, we're not where God wants us to be. As long as when we get ready to have a baptism, we've got to check for bugs. We are not where God wants us to be. And it's not from lack of taking care of things. It's from lack of using it. We're not where God wants us to be at loving the world. And that begins with learning how to love ourselves first. Let's move on. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I, I, I told you guys earlier... This isn't what I imagined. It, 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 it isn't. I wish I could say it was, but it's not. This isn't how this last sermon this morning is being delivered here at the church. It's not what I imagined. It, it, it's, it's just not. But I'm okay with that. I really am. I'm okay with that because I know God has a plan. And I'm going to praise Him in every circumstance. I'm going to praise Him when things look up, when things look down, or when things are mediocre. God's going to get my praise. I'm going to tell you something. I never would have thought when I was a boy in Indiana, a little boy, for the most part, growing up in the middle of a cornfield. In the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. That He would send me to a third world country to help support a school for children who don't even speak a language I speak. Who would introduce me to a woman like Debbie Gonzalez, who gives her life to being a world changer. Who would have introduced me to Leo Martinez, to, to, to um, the other people, uh, Daniel Mata. People like that who have worked in this world to make the world a better place. People like Eric Gibney, 
who go to China to give his life to teaching. People like Aaron and Allie Thomas, who are de- who who is now a deacon at his church in Memphis and his supporting wife there. I would have never guessed that God would have done that with a kid from Indiana who'd never seen the ocean. And now, every time I've gone to the Gulf of Mexico, not not ever once have I gone to the Gulf of Mexico on vacation that I didn't end up doing a baptism while I was there. Truth. I've lost three pair of glasses. My wife will tell you that's true. And it's because we love serving God and we've given our life to it. And I'm unapologetic for that. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that my family has followed me into a time of serving Him as He's supposed to be served. I'm not bragging or boasting. I'm telling you what what God can do with some little kid standing in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. I can't imagine what He can do with some of the minds and some of the hearts and spirits in this room. And I certainly can't imagine what He can do, what He could do with a unified church behind a strong leadership led by wisdom and spirit going out into this community in a continued effort to teach others about Jesus. Not every circumstance is exactly what we want it to be. But my final instruction, my final thought to you is praise God in whatever that circumstance is. And He will do with it what He desires. Let's move on. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Here's a simple fact, church. Every ministry that you try, every way you try to reach out is not always going to be successful. It's it's just not. Not everything you do it's going to just rain down grapes from the harvest. Okay? It's the truth. One of the things that, that Jeanette and I are toying around doing in our mind is starting a street church. Just going down on the street, handing out flyers. Uh, we've talked to a couple people about a place to host it. Handing out flyers on Saturday, inviting people to church on Sunday morning. And then just showing up and teaching the gospel. Now, everybody would tell me that won't work. Sell dry bones that in Denver, a ministry that's been around now for two decades. You know, that's something we're, we're toying around doing. Will it work? I don't know. Is it a spirit that I'm willing to go test? Absolutely. And if it's good, you know what? We'll keep it. If we're baptizing souls, you bet we'll keep it. And that's why my final thought to you is this today. And in case you haven't noticed, I've woven it a great deal into this. The Hispanic ministry that this congregation supports is important. And I please, I beg you, in every way that I possibly can, continue to support that work. I've watched people from our our English-speaking congregation get involved and begin to to be woven into it. I'm so blessed by that, as well as the people who work in that ministry have been blessed by that. But don't lose your focus on that, because that is the future of those who will live around you. There's a greater likelihood that you will hand this congregation, this building off to a group of Hispanics in the long-term future than there is that it'll look like this sitting around here. That's, that's the truth about the way the demographics are growing. Please, don't lose sight 
of something that has been good and be willing to reject evil. Be willing to stand up to evil. Be willing to say no. Final couple thoughts here. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. A couple of things here, church, that I I need to say, I want to say, and I say it with love, but I also say it so that to help you understand. I don't know who will follow me in this ministry, where it'll go from here. I know on an interim basis, John and Alicia will be preaching and teaching you. Um, they're said that there's going to be a search and that we'll look around. I don't know. But my final thought to you is greet them with a holy kiss. I didn't get greeted that way. That wasn't the way I was greeted. Um, And it hurt. And it was no kind of platform to start from. I'm just saying, it's the truth. I'm going to preach the truth. I hope the next person will get greeted with that holy kiss. And will be encouraged from the very beginning by everyone. And not just a few. Um, That will help that person be successful. That will help that person be loved. And it will help this congregation share unity. It's one of the reasons I'm stepping out of the way. It's time. But I, I want you not to make that same mistake. Whoever it is, it may not be your choice. There may be ten people that come in here and preach, and it may not be your choice. But I ask you, with God's wisdom and God's Spirit, please get behind that person and support them and encourage them. Because this is too difficult a job to do without that encouragement. And finally to this, it says, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all brothers and sisters. Paul knew and had the desire that God's Word be strong and existent in all their lives. The Bible is meant to be read, shared, and understood at every level of Christianity. Please, 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 as a final encouragement, a final instruction, make the Bible your foundation for everything. Use it to encourage. Use it to redirect. Use it to love. It's the greatest tool that God has put into our hands. And while once we were, we were a movement and a group of people known for our strength in Scripture and Bible, there's a degree that we've fallen from in that. And I, I, I ask you, whoever, whichever direction you go, Get back to that and find that strength and utilize it. This whole lesson is nothing but Scripture. Let the Scripture speak. And finally this. The grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, be with you. That's my main desire today. For the elders, the new deacons, my brothers and sisters in Christ the new ministers and the old ministers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. May He dwell in you in spirit and in truth in a passionate, strong way 
and make you take that into all the world and change lives. Let's stand and sing.